you follow sports at all, you know that one of the key elements to winning a game, whether it be football, basketball, or any other type of sport, is a solid game plan. Current Georgia men's basketball coach Tom Crean, who once coached at Indiana, said this, game plans win games. He's right. Without a game plan, your chance of failure goes up and most likely will happen. You're not going to win without a game plan if you're a coach or you're a player. Coach who shows up and just says, hey guys, run around, here's a few plays to do and, and good luck to you. Doesn't have a solid game plan. And most likely, victory isn't going to happen. Well, just like a team needs a game plan to win, so you and I as believers in Jesus Christ need a plan to be victorious in our spiritual battles. We've been talking about that the past couple of weeks. Talking about the armor of God. Talking about the, 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 the reality of spiritual warfare. We all fight spiritual battles. And we have the ability to be victorious. And we have a game plan to follow. So I, I believe that here in Ephesians 6, 14-18, Paul encourages us to follow God's plan for spiritual victory. Follow God's plan for spiritual victory. Well, you might ask, Pastor, what is God's plan? You know, is it, is it simple? Is it hard? What is God's plan? Well, I'm going to give you the two components. It's always nice to have two, right? The shorter, the better. The fewer, the better. But I'm going to give you two components of God's plan for spiritual victory, and we all need it. If you're a believer in this room, you're, you're fighting the spiritual battle. If you're an unbeliever, you're not. You've already lost the battle. But if you're a believer this morning, we can have victory. And you too, as an unbeliever, can have victory as well as we just celebrated. Your victory comes through Jesus Christ on the cross. Well, what are these two components? The first one for verses 14 through 16 is that our position is secure or a secure position. Look at verse 14. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. That word therefore denotes to us that the ability to be victorious requires taking the armor of God that has been provided. We looked last week about being strong and the powers might put on the whole armor of God. We don't succeed unless we use the tools, the equipment God has given to us. You know, it's nice to talk about it. It's nice to talk about a game plan for a coach who, who uh, is in, his, uh, in a locker room. He's talking about it, but it doesn't mean a hoot unless you do it. And so Paul lays it out before. Therefore, based upon what I've just said about the armor of God, the spiritual warfare we're in, use it. We have an opportunity to put it into action and show we should. We need to use the armor God has provided. Secondly, notice as well that without a secure position, there is no victory. Stand. Here it means to, to stand firm so that you can be stable. You don't lose your footing. You don't lose your position. The, the imperative here, the command form, shows the importance of obeying. And the construction 
shows of the word itself shows urgency. You need to stand. You need to obey this command. You know, in any sport, you know, you need to have solid footing. Because if you don't, you're not going to succeed. You know, football, basketball, whatever sport you, you play. I played basketball and soccer in high school and, and basketball in college. If I didn't have the cleats on in the soccer field and didn't have, make sure my feet were square in front of the, defense, the offensive player, my position was going to be vulnerable. I was going to be able to be moved past and goals were scored and such. You need to have a secure position. Because you're not going to win without it. Without a secure position, we fall and we fail. You, many, many believers today, Christians in our churches across America, wonder why they're failing in their spiritual lives, in the spiritual battle. And I wonder it's, if it's because they've not taken obedience to the command to stand. Make your position secure. Without the ability to stand, there is no resistance or victory. Everybody wants victory, right? Everybody wants to be successful in their spiritual walk with the Lord. But unless you make that commitment to stand and resist, you don't have victory. You will always have failure. In your marriages, in your work life, in all so many different ways. Unless you stand, you will not be victorious. Notice also with me that a secure position starts with being covered with the truth. So now we get into the, the different elements of the armor of God. And, and Paul is writing with a, a, a mindset example of a Roman soldier. So that's what he's using as descriptions of this equipment God has. Being covered with the truth, having girded your waist with truth. That, that phrase, having girded, means to put on a belt or a sash and the, what happens is uh, having girded uh, your waist with truth explains everything. So what does, that, what does it mean having to be girded? The idea here is to, to strap something on, to hold things in place. And, and traditionally, historically, that belt there was also used as a defensive mechanism. It, it was designed to protect the lower abdomen. And I think that's what the emphasis here is. Some commentators think it was that uh, what Paul is doing is saying, keep things up with the truth, you know, hold things together with the truth. I, I, I think what Paul is referencing is protection, not holding things up. He uses the word truth here. It means that which is right both doctrinally and morally. Paul is drawing upon uh, the Old Testament picture in Isaiah 11, verse 5. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, and faithfulness the belt of his waist. Describing the divine warrior king, God himself. So truth is what protects against attacks aimed at us to bring us to our knees. Are you, are you protecting yourself, covering yourself with the truth? Not lies, not theory, but the truth. The truth of God's Word. The, the truth that you are, you are secure in Him and that, that everything you have comes from Him and He holds you fast like we just talked about. Are you securing yourself with that truth? You're protecting yourself against those attacks that are launched against you that are designed to make you fall and fail. If you're not, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to be victorious. Also note that a secure position protects what is vital. 
The breastplate of righteousness. Okay? The breastplate of righteousness. And having put on. The word put on here means to just, just simply put on something. You know, whether it be a, a piece of cloth or clothing. Just, that's what it simply means. But, but the, the word itself, the way it's constructed, is show responsibility. You having put on. So as we're walking through each one of these pieces of equipment, we, we have to keep in mind that there's responsibility on our part. It's there. But we have to use it. And what was the breastplate? The breastplate was a, was a, con- a protective covering, covering for the chest. In, in Roman days, it, it could be anything from a piece of brass or a piece of chain mail for those who are, had the money to protect themselves. Um, they could afford that material. You protected your chest because where, 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 what is located in your chest? A lot of vital organs. You've got your heart, your lungs. If you're a soldier in battle, you want that protected because you don't fight unless you have those things. Well, what is this breastplate? What is this, what is this protective covering? Is righteousness. Or we could say the breastplate which is righteousness. That's what we put on every day. Now, it's not righteousness as a, a, a salvation righteousness. You know, when, we, when you and I came to know Christ, we, we received God's righteousness. Christ's righteousness is on our account. But here the word righteousness refers to God's righteousness daily lived out. We are righteous before God in our position, yet it is our responsibility to live out that righteousness every single day. We could say putting on righteous works of God. We protect our vital parts of our spiritual life by obeying God's commands to live righteously. Paul writes about this in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, where he says, For the grace of God that for the grace of God has appeared, that salvation of salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present age. We're supposed to live righteously. We're supposed to obey God's commands. And so we need to put on that breastplate, that, that covering of righteousness because it helps us protect what is vital so that we can have a secure position. Notice also that a secure position has solid footing. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Well, that word, that word shod means to put on or bind or tie. The idea is tying one shoe. You know, that's, that's the picture there. Put on your feet. The preparation of the gospel of peace. The word preparation means here, and the, the verb form means to be, be prepared or be ready. And the source of that preparation, that's, that's the emphasis here, the source of that preparation is the gospel of peace. Is the good news of salvation that has brought us peace. So what's the idea here? I think the idea here is that when the enemy releases onslaught after onslaught against you, you can be peaceful and stand firm because of the good news of the gospel, which has brought peace between you and God. Paul mentions this, if you remember, back in chapter 2, verse 17, where he talks about that, that hostility between Gentiles and Jews. And then he gets to verse 17, and he says he came and preached peace to you who are afar off and to those who are near because we both needed it. There was enmity between us and God. So no matter what the enemy does in those spiritual attacks, 
The peace of the gospel, the peace of the good news of Jesus Christ prepares and maintains us on the spiritual battlefield. So that whatever is launched against us, whether, whether it be verbal attacks through different avenues, whether it be mental attacks, temptations, the good news of the Gospel allows us to remain peaceful during that time. So let me ask you this question. Are you remembering the good news of the Gospel in your spiritual battle? When you're out there and you're struggling and, and you're facing temptation, you're facing the, the attacks of the enemy, are you remembering the good news of the Gospel and allowing it to have peace in your life? If you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have peace. All you have is struggle and enmity and, and you're, with, you're sided with an enemy who hates you and, and wants to keep you as long as he can until eternity. You don't have peace, but you can. The good news of the gospel of peace can be yours today. So as we, we think about our position, we have solid footing. We don't go anywhere. And then lastly, underneath this point, a secure position has total protection. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the evil one. That phrase, above all, shows the importance of the protection. So putting on the, the breastplate and the, the belt and the feet are all important. But most important of all, taking the shield of faith. Here the word shield means a long, oblong shield. Let me read you a quote from one of the ancient historians, Polybius who said this, the Roman panoply consists firstly of a shield, the convex surface of which measures two and a half feet in width and four feet in length. The thickness at the rim being a palm's breadth is made of two planks glued together, the outer surface being covered with first with canvas and then with calfskin. Its upper and lower rims are strengthened by an iron edging which protects it from descending blows and from injury when rested on the ground. It also has an iron boss fixed to it which turns aside the most formidable blows of stones, pikes, and heavy missiles in general. So what he's describing here is a big shield that was like a door. And it was constructed and designed to thwart any attack that could be launched against it and protecting every part of the one who carried it. Now that was very important for the Roman soldier who engaged in combat to be protected physically behind a shield. More importantly, it is the same for us. And what is the shield? Our shield is not a shield of, of two planks glued together or metal or, or a canvas and skin of animals. It is the shield which is faith. Faith provides the complete protection for us as believers. It's not something magnificent or mind-blowing. It's just simple faith. 1 John 5, 4 says this, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Not our works, not our church attendance, not our checklist of spiritual responsibilities, our faith. Now some of you say, Pastor, what faith is this? Well, this isn't saving faith. 
This isn't faith that saves. You know, we don't, we don't get saved every day as we walk into the spiritual battle, but this is active faith. It's faith that chooses to trust God daily regardless of what happens. So whatever attacks are launched against us, whatever temptations and, and uh, spiritual doubts we encounter, we take the shield of faith. We actively choose to trust God every day despite what is being launched against us. And let's be honest with ourselves, as I personally described last week, sometimes the, launch, the attacks against us are very severe. They're hard. They're struggle. But when you and I choose, and I, again, we'll draw upon my experience I mentioned last week, when I chose daily, despite what I was going through, to actively trust God, the attacks were not as hard. And the same can be for you in whatever you struggle with, spiritually speaking. Maybe you struggle with, with lust. Maybe you struggle with, with greed. Maybe you struggle with lying. I, I don't know what, you can list it for me. But whatever you struggle with, are you taking the shield of faith? Are you daily trusting God to help you defend yourself against those attacks, which are lies? Do you realize that? What is thrown against you are are lies, are not the truth. So you being protected by the truth, having the gospel of peace on your feet, being protected by your daily commitment to living and obeying God's commands and taking that shield of faith, Defends yourself against those lies. That's your only victory. That's how you gain the victory. And this total protection of faith repels the attacks of Satan that you may be able, that you will, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. The, word, the phrase will be able means to have ability The future tense of this verb indicates certainty. You will be able to. Not you might or you could. You will be able to. What does this word quench mean? The word quench means to extinguish or put out. You remember that that calfskin that was put on the shield? Here's a further description of it in general in regards to a defensive position. Several historical authors, one of them being Josephus, said this, The function of the calfskin on the front of the shield was to prevent the incendiary arrows from igniting the shield and burning it up. So in ancient times, they would light arrows on fire and, and spears and such and throw them, trying to burn down a city or a, a, a troop in front of them. Another historian describes how a city under attack covered the wooden walls with skins and hides to protect the timber against the attacks of burning missiles. Josephus describes the same use of fresh animal hides to protect the wooden walls surrounding d- during the Jewish war that the missiles could slide off of them and the fire was thrown that was thrown around would be quenched by the moisture that was in them. The hides on the front of the shields had the same function when the arrows landed on them. So in other words, the idea is there, whenever they were launched against them, they were extinguished. They were put to no use. Satan does the same thing. He launches, as it says here, darts, or the other, another way we might understand it, missiles, arrows. Satan is always throwing Attacks against us, and they can be attacks with intensity, intensity, because he wants to destroy us. I will mention this before. Satan hates you. If you're a believer in this room, Satan hates you. He has nothing but your destruction in mind. 
He doesn't want anything. He doesn't want you to succeed. He wants you to fail and fail. So that leads me to ask myself, why do I keep trying to trust him? Satan doesn't want my good. Satan has only my evil in mind. My destruction is his goal. And my shield of faith that I take up daily trusting God with everything enables me, enables you to withstand those spiritual attacks, those spiritual missiles and arrows that are launched against us and lessen their power. So resent they're just a extinguished flame. Satan is powerful, folks. Let's not, let's not uh, gloss over that. Satan is powerful, but he is not as powerful as God. He has power to make those attacks. He has the power to launch them as awful as they are. But guess what? If we take the shield of faith, we take the armor that God has given us, those attacks come to nothing. Notice with me, and I skipped over this a little bit, but notice with me, having girded, having shod, taking those verbal phrases presume that we're going to do it. We have taken that. We have been provided those things. Now we have to use those to bring about those attacks of Satan to nothing. And it leads me to ask this morning, are you taking spiritual action to secure yourself in the spiritual battle? Those weapons, those, those resources, some have noted that this, the defensive nature of them are available for you to use. Are you using them? Are you, are you taking action? One of, one of my uh, business coaches uh, in the other business that I work from home a little bit doing talks about taking action. And in regards to my business, you know, it's, it's taking action so you can have uh, prosperity in it. Well, we need to do the same thing spiritually. Are you taking the action necessary to make sure you can be victorious, to make sure you can have a secure position. If you don't take action, it's not going to happen. And whatever you struggle with, maybe, maybe it's bitterness. Maybe you're bitter against someone for something they did a long time ago, and that, that still kind of eats at you. Are you taking action to, to reflect that attack by taking up the shield of faith, the breastplate of righteousness, the, being protected by tr- the truth, being, being secure in your footing, stable in your footing by the gospel that brings peace. None of this works unless you take action. And are you taking action? Are you waking up in the morning saying, here's another day, another battle. I'm going to choose to trust God. I'm going to remember the truth. I'm going to remember the gospel. And step out into the battlefield ready for whatever comes your way. Not trusting in your own strength, but trusting in God's, right? Because you can't do it. You and I can't do it. We'd fall down on our faces and fail every single time. Take action to secure yourself. Are you doing that? Secondly and lastly, our defense is active. Verses 17 and 18, and take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice several things about here. This, these, these two verses. An active defense must remember redemption. Take here. has to, to grasp, take hold of. Again, it's a command here. Take the helmet of salvation. 
You have a responsibility to do it, and there's urgency behind it. So you've gotten the breastplate, the, the belt, the, feet, the, the shoes, the shield. Now take the helmet of salvation. What was, what was the helmet? Back in ancient days, it was made of bronze and fitted over with an iron skull cap lines with leather or cloth. It was designed to protect the head. So what are you saying, Pastor? That, that I, they have to be saved every day? No. I think what Paul is describing is that the salvation experience that we have assures us of the hope of eternal life. And that truth, that reality, gives us confidence when the devil launches doubt and discouragement against us. When we have the helmet of salvation, when we remember salvation, remember redemption, it defeats any possible effort to bring us down. It also leads me to ask this question. Are you remembering your salvation in the heat of the battle? When, when, when you're in the midst of struggle and trial and, and, and things are not going your way, the devil is launching attacks against you, do you, in the heat of the battle, in the heat of the moment, remember your, your, your salvation? Remembering that your names are written in heaven. You remembered what Jesus said to the, the 70 who came back from their ministry trip? They had been successful and the demons were subject to, to Jesus through them and, and all of the success was happening in the world. And Jesus says, I, I beheld Satan following his lighten, lightning from the sky, but he also says, do not rejoice over this, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That ultimately is our hope, that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're a believer this morning, again, if you're not a believer, if there's never been a time where you confessed you were a sinner, there was no way you were getting God apart from Jesus Christ, you received His free gift of salvation as your substitute before God, if you've never done that, you don't have salvation. You do not have redemption, but you can have it. It is available to you, and I would encourage you to come to the cross, lay your sins down, and receive that redemption today. Notice also an active defense uses the word of God. Now use the word defense because some would see these two verses as offensive. You know, going on the offense, going, you know, defending yourself and then, then going on the offense, pushing forward. Well, again, as I said last week, we are never commanded to fight Satan. We are never commanded to go on the offense against him. That is God's job, not ours. We are all called to defend ourselves against him, and I think that's what Paul is highlighting here. And so an active defense uses the word of God. The sword here was a, a, a sword every Roman infantryman had. It was probably a short sword, and, and another way we might say it is a knife. It was designed to ward off attacks as, as the, the shield defends from this day. Uh, the attacks were launched through spears and swords, and so the, the Roman soldier defended himself against them with a sword. But our sword is not physical, it's spiritual. It's the sword of the Spirit. comes from His power. It's enabled by Him. It's supplied by Him. And this sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. So our, our defensive weapon is God's Word. It defends us in our spiritual battle. Not our mindset, not our actions. It's God's Word. So whether spoken or written, the Word of God has power. Hebrews 4.12 For the Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and tents of the heart. So when Satan's lies are, are 
are threatening you, we use the Word of God to combat those lies. Not spoken in magical incantations, you know, not, not just being repeated randomly over and over again, but as a truth bomb in our modern terminology to obliterate his lies and lies that he launches against us. So if you think modern ways, you know, this is, you know, launch a truth bomb against Satan. Use God's word. For that is how his lies are defeated. And notice also here that an active defense persistently prays at every opportunity for all believers. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Many, many words here. Praying here, obviously, giving our request before God is in the present tense form. Continual action. And it's constructed to show responsibility. We have the responsibility to pray. Remember our definition of prayer from, from our uh, Wednesday night Bible study. Prayer is an attitude of total dependence in which we express to God our desire to submit to His will, which is only possible through the ministry of Jesus Christ as we walk in the Spirit. That's how we pray. We depend upon God and we lay our requests at His feet. We want to submit to His will and so we ask God to answer this request according to His will, not ours. Praying always. The idea here is to always be ready. To always be in a state of mind of praying. Another, another way to translate this is at any opportunity you pray. The way I can illustrate this best is uh, I used to work for South Dakota State University in Brookings, South Dakota as a custodian and then as a custodial supervisor. One of the, one of the things we had to do was be on call. And for those of you who've had those types of jobs, what do you do? When you're on call, you're on the call, on call list, you have to be ready. So for me, whenever the phone rang at maybe 1 or 2 o'clock in the morning, I had to go in and clean up a mess or whatever that was on, on campus. I, had, I couldn't say, no, I'm not going to do it. I could refuse a few times because of, of illness or such. But I always had to be ready to do it. Even though sometimes it was hard, I had to be on call and be ready for that job. And as a supervisor, later on, I, I had to be ready all the time because I could get calls saying, hey, we got this problem and this problem. Always had to be ready. You and I always need to be ready to pray. So whenever we hear something happen, we can, we can be able to give that prayer. It, it doesn't have to be long. It can be five seconds, ten seconds. We always need to pray. Praying with all, always with all prayer and supplication. The word supplication means to, to express an urgent need. So whatever the form of prayer is, whether it's just general, God bless us as we go through the day, or it's specific, God help, help, uh, help uh, Larry to, to be strong in the hospital with whatever he's going through. Whatever it might be, it doesn't matter. It just matters what is expressed. And doing so, we are watchful, being watchful to this end with all perseverance. The word watchful here means to be vigilant in case of threatening peril. We can, we can say, be alert, keep watch, be on guard. Why does Paul use this word? I think he uses it because it is a temptation to be lazy. Right? When you and I are not 
careful and watchful in our spiritual lives and spiritual battle. It can be a temptation to be lazy and not pray as we should, depend upon God as we should. Therefore, Paul uses this word to avoid laziness and still watchfulness in our lives because Satan looks for an opportunity to attack every single time and we need to be ready to opportunity and have the opportunity to pray depending upon God at any time those attacks are launched. Being always watchful. Persistence in a persistent manner. So, so being watchful for every opportunity, being watchful whenever uh, attacks are launched so we can pray continually. Doing it persistently. I love the way this word is defined. The word persistence here means firm persistence in undertaking a circumstance. It can, be, it can also be translated obstinance and persistence. Obstinate persistence. So stubbornness. Use the word stubbornness. I'm a stubborn guy. Ask my wife. Okay. Uh, stubbornness. When you have a stubborn person, well, you, you can't really get them to change their mind. Or their, or their action. Or their... Their, uh, their way of doing things. Some of you might think that describes you. I don't know. But being stubborn is good in this sense that we must continue to be watchful in prayer and not falter in that responsibility. So we're stubborn that way. We're stubborn to pray whenever a need comes up. We're stubborn and ready, stubbornness in, in our, our readiness to pray so that we continually do that before God. And notice who we pray for at the end of here, verse 18. For all the saints. All believers. No one gets left out. No person who is mentioned for prayer is unworthy of being prayed for. Yes, they may, they may be the most ordinary believer you've ever met, the most irritating person you've ever met as a believer. But if they're a fellow saint of God, you still pray for them. You still pray for them. Maybe you pray, God, help them to change. And that's okay. You've prayed for them. God, help them to change. Help them to be more like you. You've prayed for them. But you pray for all the saints. Regardless of who they are or where they are. So let me ask you, this morning, are you keeping your guard up in the spiritual battle? Are you taking the helm of salvation, remembering your redemption, fighting off the attacks of the enemy with the sword of the Spirit, always being ready to pray? Are you keeping your guard up, being watchful, or are you letting it down? Because Satan is always looking for an opportunity to defeat you. And if you let your guard down, he will take advantage. And he will cause defeat and failure. And trust me, that is not a place you want to be. Are you keeping your guard up? Just like a good sports team needs a bad game plan to experience victory on the playing field, so we as believers need God's game plan to be successful in our spiritual battles. That game plan simply is two components. Our position is secure. Have secure position. Stand. Don't let things knock you down. And our defense is active. Always be fending off. Always be keeping your guard up against the attacks of the enemy. God's plan never fails. And it will bring victory. But we have to follow it. And that's your choice.
That's my choice. God's laid it out for us. Here's how to be victorious over the spiritual battles that you face. Here's how to do it. We have to be willing to do it. So as we go into a new week, new challenges, new attacks, let's be committed to following God's plan for spiritual victory.